Welcome to the Hope Revolution messages. You'll be able to find our sermon podcast at hoperevolution.church forward slash sermon, as well as all other podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message. I've got a question for you. Other than Jesus, can you name someone in your life that you would say is a hero of yours? Someone that you, that you look up to as, as someone that inspires you or there's parts of... Now, they're not perfect. We know that because they're not Jesus. But they just inspire you to maybe have some characteristics like them. All of these people share one thing. They probably share a few things in common, but they share one thing in common that make them your hero. And that is... They have conviction, right? The reason they stand out to you is because they have conviction. That's what makes, actually makes them a hero. And I want to plant a seed today that is something that may take a while for you to stew on. So we may not quite land today, but I want to plant a seed for you to stew on and to process in the, in the coming weeks. Because conviction is, is a firmly held belief a passion that you would stake your reputation on. Something you so believe in for the sake of which you would sacrifice. That you would devote yourself to. That you passionately pursue and lead others in pursuing too. You actually believe in it. It's the devotion of possibility. Because all these things that you look up to they're committed to the future of it, not just the past. The possibility of what it is their conviction is actually coming to fruition. They're, they're devoted to the possibility of something. Let me give you an example. And Kelly's cheated a little bit this morning because she got Peter up to share. Peter and Sereda lead the team of the Casey Southern Cross Kids Camp. And they lead with conviction. Now, according to their website last night, it looks like Southern Cross Kids Camp's motto is no longer a week of happy memories because it's not mentioned on there anymore. However, Peter and Serena's conviction is not a week of happy memories. They are absolutely devoted to the possibility of 25 kids knowing their value and the love of God in one week. Now, that's powerful stuff. That's their conviction, and they're a hero of mine because of that conviction. Now, this camp is a bubble. It's a unique environment that is strategically set up for that conviction. It's an ecosystem that is crafted to do that. The number of conversations I have with buddies coming to the end of camp my role on camp and Tanya's role on camp is to actually pastor the volunteers. And so we care very much about the kids, but we make sure that the well-being of those that are serving the kids is, um, is healthy and good. And as camp gets towards the end, there's some interesting things that go on. Because there's a confrontation between what you're experiencing in this week and your real life. They actually go, I really like this space, but when I leave camp, 
I'm going back to not this space. It's going to be different. Maybe they're inspired by, you know, the positive unity of the environment that's created, deliberately designed to serve. Maybe it's the collective worship culture, a bunch of people going, we're here to serve God and we want to worship together. A lot of people really value that to to the likes of Sam who leads the worship in the space. Others, it might be the impact of serving one another. But underneath it all, the attraction that they all resonate to is 100% conviction. That is what they see and love and go, that's what I'm experiencing in this week. A group of people gathered in unity dedicated to the possibility of something. But it's actually not all bliss. Because as I shared, by Wednesday or Thursday, this dedication gets tested. And every volunteer, is that, that dedication to the, to the cause, to the possibility, is tested. Is it worth a sacrifice? Are there other convictions that maybe trump that one? Things like comfort or rest or recognition for your efforts. What if you're not getting noticed? Or noticing more and more as the week goes on other people's shortcomings. Are they going to trump this conviction for the kids? Or what if by Thursday, a buddy thinks it's not looking like they'll be able to achieve and fulfill that possibility for their camper? Do you bail? It's amazing to watch the team push through that, to watch the team strive to fulfill the mission. Recognising tiredness, recognising discomfort, recognising the, the niggling things that are going on in people's personalities and weakness and tiredness as well. And going, we are driven by the possibility of these kids knowing their value and the love of God. Can anyone see the similarities of camp to the idea of church we've been reading in Acts? Is everything I've just described sound like the newly birthed church? that was being established by the apostles. A unique environment strategically set up for a specific conviction, a group of people gathered in unity, working against adversity and sacrificially dedicated to the possibility of something. Now, it's really easy to see the similarity on paper. But as I said, on camp many volunteers are quite confronted, in a good way, I think, with actually experiencing it. And in some ways, that's really sad because it's radically different to their normal lives. And it's different to their church life. 
Jesus made it really, really clear what his conviction was. He stood up in the front of the temple early on in his ministry and he read from Isaiah. This is what he read. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. And then if that wasn't enough, if you didn't get the message, he sits down and he says, the scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. If you didn't get it, for those of us a bit slow, let me make it obvious to you. This is my dedication to possibility. But then he followed that up by actually living it out. He wasn't just reading from a dusty scroll. He was owning the identity and calling that he was dedicating himself to. So my question to you is, what would those around you, maybe your kids, your school friends, your workmates, what would they say your convictions are? Would they actually know? Being completely honest, in some of my less proud moments, Tanya probably would say my conviction is for to correct people who are tailgating. <laughs> Something that sometimes I'm a little bit overly passionate about. Daniel and Ash might, might question my convictions and think that I'm more committed to getting to the next level in Valorant than I should be. <laughs> but I genuinely hope they and you know with very little doubt some of the things that I'm committed to the possibility of. Because for me, what I say and what I do matters. So tell me, what would you say you are devoted to the possibility of? There's not one answer, by the way. There's so many different answers. But what, what, what's something that, that stirs in your heart that you are passionate about? And, and you can have, like, I can think of 10 that I am. So it doesn't have to be the one thing. But what's something that you're passionate about? Seeing people get healed, love it. And I could have said that about you, which is amazing. That's good. No pressure to anyone else who is worried that I couldn't say that for you. But what are you passionate about? Can be yeah. Can be true, like... No, no. What are you passionate about? Food. Food. <laughs> like, yeah. Love it. I love it. I can relate to that one. Yeah, yeah. What are you passionate about? What are you, what are you prepared to sacrifice for? That you put your name to? Your children. What about your children? Yep. Love it. Absolutely. <laughs> Love it. Absolutely. Fantastic. Justice. 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 Yep. 
Yep, absolutely. What are you passionate about? What are you, what are you committed to? Freedom and liberty. I hate tyrants. Yes, yes. So good. So good. Passionately committed to it. Anyone else? Joy. Yep. Your puppy dog? Yep. Yep. It's fantastic. Those that are hearing this, you can go, yeah. Yeah, I see that in them. I've... I've experienced, it oozes out of them. When people have conviction, they're an evangelist, they're an advocate, they're a, they're, they wave the flag of what they believe in. I guarantee that if something was, that there was injustice caused to Sky's kids, she'd be the first one in the front line, making sure that they were protected, that they were looked after, that they were treated with respect. Because she's committed to that. She would look like a goose to do that. She would sacrifice her, her sense of self-esteem or, or public image to make sure that actually happened. I'm convinced that the bubble, the ecosystem that we experienced on camp is actually for us all to experience. I'm convinced that the dedication, the commitment to possibility is something that actually brings us together. Everyone on camp has made a commitment to a, to a vision that isn't their own. Peter and Sreda tell us why we're on camp and they create an environment and they drive that purpose from the minute we arrive to the minute we leave. The value and the love of God in people's lives. And they're unrelenting about it, unapologetic about it, and unreserved. They're not holding back. If there is an opportunity to show love to these kids, they will take it. To the point that if a kid doesn't have shoes, they'll buy them shoes. If the kid turns up with lice, we'll, we'll, we'll comb their hair out till there's no lice. At least for one week, they won't have an itchy head. Every single detail of camp is specifically designed because of the devotion to a possibility. That is us. That's actually why we gather. The elders didn't create that. I didn't create that. God has orchestrated church to be a group of people that gather because they are passionately devoted to the possibility of his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. There's many different roles that people play. Not everyone on camp does the same thing in the same way that not everyone does, does the same thing in this space. And it's okay to have different convictions. One, one person's going to say, well, my conviction is the well-being of the, the staff and the, and the buddies, right? But I have that conviction for the greater cause. Does that make sense? It's not that I'm working against 
the conviction Peter and Sarita have. It's a sort of a conviction that fits in and complements and powers it forward. In the same way here, you can say, my conviction is worship. Absolutely. If we're not focusing on God and, and surrendered to him, then our mission is flawed. Someone else says, my conviction is spreading the word to those that don't know. Absolutely. If we're all navel-gazing and, and dealing with internal things, we're, we're broken. So there's a whole heap of different convictions, but at the end of the day, we gather in unity for this. Read these, listen to these verses. Ephesians 4. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, this is Paul, he wants to emphasize that as, as the context, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. He's talking to a church. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Galatians 6, starting at 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from the sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 16, starting at verse 13. Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. Sounds like camp. Sounds like church. You know that Stephanus and his household were the first of the harvest of believers in Greece, and they are spending their lives in service to God's people. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to submit to them and others like them who serve with such devotion. Get together. Do this together. Maybe you don't have an answer yet for what your conviction is. Maybe you're sitting here going, I, I don't know. I don't, don't know what I would sacrifice for. You don't actually have to worry because God operates very differently to the way the world operates. See, the way the world operates is that you start by having to gain knowledge. We have amazing education systems. And then once you gain knowledge, you're allowed to practice. And once you've practiced enough, you finally get a qualification. That's the way the world works. You don't get to perform in a piano concert unless you've learnt and practiced, and then you're allowed to perform. Our whole world is built around this process. And God says, that's not how I operate. I give you the qualification first. You actually start with the qualification. You start with the identity. You start with the recognition. And then he says, now you've got it, have a go. Give it a crack. Because you are qualified. You are already who God says you are. You don't have to earn it. You didn't have to learn for it. And in fact, the last thing you get, qualification first, practice second, do you know what ends up with? 
knowledge. You actually start understanding. But you start with a qualification. And so when we come to this place, it's really important to understand that there is no assessment or performance reviews. God doesn't operate that way. You're invited to practice and give it a go because you are already qualified. And that's really important. Listen to this story that we had this week on camp. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down, I must be a guest in your home today. Step one. He already calls him by name and says, I'm going to do an intimate thing of having a meal in your house. Zacchaeus has done nothing to prove himself, hasn't shown any sense of knowledge, hasn't performed anything of any credibility before Jesus. And he says, I'm going to call you by name. I'm going to have a meal with you. That's how God operates. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house to great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. So they saw his acts, they saw his actions, and went, the status you've given him is flawed. He does not deserve the identity you've given him. You're misinformed, Jesus. But this is how Jesus operates. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. How amazing is that? Are you qualified? Absolutely. You don't have to have it all together. And if you don't have a personal vision or passion for which you're dedicated to, there's a couple of simple questions that you need to ask, just like Zacchaeus did. Who does Jesus say I am? Work that question out. Who does Jesus say I am? What is my real identity? And I would suggest that could be something that you could passionately invest in. Because if you don't know the answer to that, I can tell you that that question and the answer to that is life-changing. It's transforming and it's the reason Southern Cross Kids Camp exists. Because they want 
kids who have had traumatic backgrounds and have been lied by those around them about who they are to tell them who they are. If you do not know the answer to that question, please, please, please hunt for it. Ask people around you. Read scripture, pray, do whatever you can to answer the question of who does Jesus say I am. And the second question is, what does Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, call me to do? What's he asking of me? What's he, once I know who I am, how does he want me to spend my life? What does he want me to do? Because if we can answer those two questions, this place will be the bubble, the ecosystem that God designed church to be. It will be a place of unity and it will be a place that's so, so powerful and effective in the work of the kingdom. Two simple questions. Who does Jesus say I am? And what does Jesus call me to do? I was fascinated by the verse that Pete shared this morning. The verse was talking about who Jesus was. It was prophetic from Isaiah about the nature and the character of Jesus coming. Right? And it talks in detail about the, the identity of the Saviour. But for me, what stood out was the last line. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Zeal, you could say, is conviction, passion, drive, unrelenting commitment to a cause. How would the prophecy of Jesus be fulfilled? With the unrelenting passion of a God who is not holding up. We don't carry this on our shoulders. The convictions you carry, I hope, I believe even God would love your food conviction. He created food. I tell people all the time that the first recipe was God's. Well, maybe not the first, but in the Bible, there's a recipe for souvlakis. In Exodus 10, when they were called to leave Egypt, they were told to barbecue some lamb with unleavened bread and some bitter herbs. I'm guessing garlic was one of them. Souvlakis, right? So, so I think your enjoyment of food... I think God would probably agree with. But my point is that your conviction is actually not your own when it's in alignment with the question of who does Jesus say I am and what does he call me to? Because as I look around, I see convictions that God has given you. And God is zealous. He is passionate and he will fulfill what he wants to fulfill. We participate in what he's doing. We don't create it. We don't fuel it. He fuels it. We serve. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you so much that you don't call us to do anything that you haven't already pioneered, modelled, and demonstrated to show us how to do it, Lord God. And we thank you so much for your zeal. We thank you so much for your unrelenting passion that we have seen demonstrated this last week on camp.
every moment of every day. You moving in power to transform lives. And Lord, we pray by your spirit that you will stir within us in the coming weeks the conviction, the devotion to the possibility of what it is you're saying to us. Lord, I pray you remind us, Lord God, you cover us with your grace and remind us that it's not by works, but you have actually already called us sons and daughters. You've already set us apart, redeemed us by your blood, not by our works. Lord, we don't operate out of a place of guilt, Lord God. We operate out of a place of freedom has been, be, has been shared this morning, Lord God. We thank you for the freedom we have to have conviction and to walk that out. Lord, I pray you would stir us up as a body to be living and active witnesses, testimonies, encouragement of passionate disciples obeying and serving you and having an impact on this community and the world. Lord, we love you. We trust you. And we devote ourselves to your kingdom, your mission, your purpose for us in our lives. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at hello at hoperevolution.church.